1: and welcome to A Taste of the Past. I'm Linda Palaccio, your host today on Heritage Radio Network. And today, A Taste of the Past is being sponsored by Acme Smoked Fish. Acme is located in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, and it's been a mainstay in New York's culinary landscape for over 55 years. Using an old-world recipe, Acme produces the finest smoked salmon, whitefish, sable, that discerning palates demand. For information on where to find Acme, Blue Hill Bay another one of their products or Ruby Bay visit Smokedfish.com. Today we're going back to our beginnings <laughs> you're on a taste of the past of course it's I like to take you on a a, a little journey of culinary history and it, what better place to start than an apple apples have been around f- since actually pre prehistoric times um, and we know it's been associated with temptation and romance, even though it's probably a quince and not an apple, but for the sake of today's program, we'll call Adam and Eve's fruit an apple, but apple is one of the, one of the greatest fruits. And October being, uh, apple time, you know, October is national apple month and, uh, and All Hallows' Eve or Halloween was actually, in old England, was a feast of apple gathering. I guess that's probably why we bob for apples. But here to talk about a specific apple, I mean, apples have been associated with lots of things. And and what I wanted to preface my guest with is that the apple is also attached to New York City. We see symbols of apples as the big apple, even though it doesn't really have much to do with apples i read. But our guest, my guest today, is Eric Bard. Eric is a writer and an advocate for a particular apple, and I'm going to let him tell us all about it. Welcome, Eric.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Tell me a little bit, first of all, tell me how you got interested in apples and, and a little bit about apple history in general.
2: Sure. Uh, well, I'm a native of Queens, mm-hmm. and I started a free kayaking and canoeing boathouse on the East River. Uh, in Long Island City, the Long Island City Community Boathouse, and around the corner from us is the Newtown Creek, and uh, which is now uh, the latest Superfund site, and perhaps the U.S.'s uh, dirtiest waterway.
1: I was going to say, did they- hopefully <laughs> they've cleaned that one up.
2: Right? Oh, it, no, not, yet. not uh, yet. It's going to be many years. Yeah. And um, I was uh, researching the Newtown Creek, uh, and I kayak on it often to just assess um, different pollution points and things like that, uh, and as much as I can. And when In the course of researching it, I came across the Newtown Pippin. And being a native of Queens, I was... Now
1: like, you have to explain the Newtown Pippin. Not everybody knows what okay, you're talking sure. about. Okay. Well, I,
2: mean, I came across this, this, this apple called the Newtown Pippin. And uh, in the research I, I came across, it was actually a, a document from Monticello. And it mentioned how this is uh, Thomas Jefferson's favorite apple. He wrote a letter from France when he was minister to France. Uh, saying uh, that they had no apples to compare with our Newtown Pippin, uh, in a letter to uh, Madison, and I, as a native of Queens, was astonished that I hadn't heard of this. You know, mm-hmm. I must have turned my laptop three different ways, think, you know, thinking I misread it somehow. And, uh, but, you know, there are little echoes of the name uh, still around Queens. There's Newtown Presbyterian Church, which actually was ahead of the trend on planting Newtown Pippins. They have a Hmm. a tree there. Uh, The Newtown Reformed Church, and there's a high school, the Newtown High School. So all of them are in this little hub that's now known as Elmer's Queens, uh, because the the town uh, elders there didn't want their name associated with that dirty creek, so they renamed (laughs) it. Uh, But anyway, so I stumbled across it as a kayaker of all things. But, uh, you know, once you're a kayaker in New York, you become an environmentalist in a heartbeat. I guess. It's, uh, you know, the estuaries are really the defining characteristic of our ecosystem. So uh, it wasn't too much to persuade me to start looking to restore these apple trees. And uh, I thought small. I thought I'd just plant them near the mouth of the creek. And then uh, I happened to luck out that this is a green apple and my friend uh, that I had met through Green Drinks, which is kind of a happy hour for environmentalists, uh, the night before my 40th birthday, uh, I was talking about this dream I had, and we were actually on the waterfront near the Newtown Creek at this, you know, uh, uh, the uh, water taxi beach, uh, and we were hanging out there. And I mentioned this, and, and um, he jumped in to sponsor, and suddenly became a citywide program instead of just this little gesture next to the creek.
1: Yeah. Well, now you mentioned a couple things that I that I want to follow up on. Um, Number one, that the this Newtown Pippin sprung up along the creek, the Newtown Creek in Queens, which of course was a new town, was all part of um, New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, was a spontaneous generation? I mean, apples have been around for for millennia. Yeah. I prehistoric times. How? I mean, this is an indig. This is our only indigenous, New York's only indigenous apple. And did it start here? Do we know?
2: Yeah, uh, to, to roll way back, mm-hmm. um, the, if, it, if, it, if there's any kind of spontaneous generation, uh, the origin of the apple itself happened in Eurasia, uh, and it was a, uh, a crossing uh, in pollination between a meadow sweet, which is a kind of a, a little herb, a flowering herb, mm-hmm. and a plum. So the meadow sweet and the plum uh, pollinated uh, together some millions of years ago and kicked off that whole apple family. Uh, they're all part of the rose family. Uh, one of the most successful, in the sense of biology, you know, successful is diverse and long-lasting. Mm-hmm. So one of the most successful bot- botanical groups is the rose family. Um, I mean, you
1: can tell that from the blo- the apple blossoms. You can see exactly. remnants of that, right?
2: And uh, so apples, plums, peaches, uh, you know, pears. Uh, there's so many things, uh, cherries, you know, that come from the, the rose family. So this happened uh, in Eurasia, and then... Uh, humankind um, happened to have a genetic bottleneck also in Kazakhstan. Uh, You know, there's one anthropologist who said that if Africa is the cradle of humanity, Kazakhstan was its nursery. Um, Much of humanity bottled up there and then moved outward. And it used to be that glaciers trapped us or who knows what. I think they were just eating apples because they're actually, in Kazakhstan today uh, and some of the other uh, neighboring nations, you actually have miles and miles and miles of wild apple forests. And The way apples grow uh, is sexual reproduction. So each apple uh, that you, you get off the tree, the seeds in each apple will give you all kinds of different apples out of them. Um, so they
1: don't—they're not—they don't reproduce true to Right, two exactly. Species. They don't
2: clone themselves. Right. You know, it's all sexual reproduction. So just like their parents, who look at a child and each blame the other for whatever trait <laughs> seems to have popped up that nobody expected, <laughs> or
1: claim exactly. one way or the other. <laughs> or claim.
2: Um, you'll have the same thing with apples. And so one of the craziest things about this apple forest uh, in Kazakhstan, or the, these apple forests uh, on the Tian Shan mountain range, is that. Every tree in that forest has a different kind of apple. Oh my goodness! So if you went through there, you you know, no one could catalog all these things. You know, it's, it's just every single tree would be its own type. Uh, the way we preserve a type, you know, if you've had an apple that's just wonderful, is that you have to find that tree and you take a scion wood cutting mm-hmm. know, t- and then graft it to another, uh, you know, either to a mature tree or to a rootstock stock uh, to have it grow into a new tree. So that's the way we preserve these lines and well and
1: it's amazing because a, a man has been a horticulturist in this in this method for forever yeah right and actually they figured this out you know long ago
2: well and one of the funny things that you know you, you don't think a humble apple has these intersections you know and our, our historical figures and whatnot but um, actually uh, when Alexander went out to conquer the world as he knew it uh, he uh, stumbled across uh, dwarf apple trees now as a five foot one guy he must have loved this <laughs> but aside from that uh, his uh, his folks recognize the value of this because if you have an orchard with ten foot tall trees you can harvest that thing a lot more easily kind
1: of tough to pick a tall tree <laughs>
2: exactly so uh, you, you know there's a limit to sending up your eight-year-old nephew <laughs> to, to <laughs> knock apples down so uh, so actually From what I understand, he actually sent this back, and Aristotle studied this whole idea of grafting that the uh, folks in East Turkey, as we would know today, were doing. Uh So this was introduced um, from Asia Minor to Europe, and then from there, uh, our, our serious orchard culture began. And we have apple varieties that are with us today that go back hundreds or even thousands of years, like the lady apple, for example. Right. The lady apple. You see them
1: around, especially now, around holiday time, because exactly. people like to use them for centerpieces, the exactly. nice, dainty little little things.
2: And, and actually, women uh, in France, which is why the English took up the name Lady Apple, women in France used to carry them in a little satchel as a breath freshener. Mm. So they would just bite into a little Lady Apple you know, as a little, a little breath freshener, and they might go back all the way to ancient Rome. So there's some people who argue that this type of apple has been, been grafted and reattached all the way since. And yeah. uh, grafting is often called cloning. But I actually view it more as creating a Mm superorganism, you know, that you have the same tree with many rootstocks, you know, spread out over a huge area. But one of the problems we have with that is that now we have a handful of varieties that dominate the market. And they're all going to have the same genetic predisposition to diseases and Mm -hmm. susceptibility to diseases. So if a blight hits the apple forest of Kazakhstan, you'll lose a tree or two. If you have a blight that hits our farm for so the monoculture, upstate. wipes right through. Right. And so it's it's, it's like a, you know, like a brush fire.
1: Yeah. Well we'll come back to talking yeah. about Kazakhstan in just yeah. a moment.
2: But the, the Newtown Pippin, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. And
1: no, I, at, yeah. I Newtown Pippin we're gonna talk about it more too, but yeah. but and the reason I'm interrupted is because I wanted to ask you talked about taking the cyan the cuttings, the Cyanwood. Mm. wood. Um, and is this in fact what what was the demise of the Newtown Pippin? Did we run out of viable trees? Were no, they cut to, what, the, why did it die out?
2: Well, here's the funny thing. Uh, I talked about how we renamed Newtown to Elmhurst. Right. And, well, on the other side of things, um, it's kind of funny. We we had no dots to connect a, if, to remember our heritage because we erased the name geographically
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, in a typical New York real estate move. Yes. Um now, remember Jefferson and also, I should say, Washington loved this apple as well. and They're still grown at Mount Vernon as well as at Monticello. So, these were beloved by these two giants of Virginia. So, everybody with McMansion in Virginia had to have them on their property, <laughs> you know, as a statement of sophistication. And so, the Virginians actually preserved this line. And they renamed it because they didn't want to have a Yankee name on their favorite That's apple right. during the 19th century, so it was called the Albemarle Albemarle,
1: Albemarle they, yeah. right? Yeah.
2: So, and then they went out west to Washington and California. Such uh, an
1: English name, though. Why did they do that? Because
2: <laughs> it's the uh, name of the county in which Monticello sits.
1: Ah, oh, okay. So, Glad I knew.
2: So they, uh, so no, so so uh, they they erased the name from the apple. We erased the name from the town. Oh. So there were no dots to connect. So the apple was humming along. You know, um, not um, you know, uh, of course, a, a mass market variety, but it was doing very well. It mm-hmm. was not endangered in any way. Uh, the real danger came. Uh, with modern agricultural practices because people wanted a uniform apple. They wanted consistent yields. And like many apple trees, the Newtown Pippin has abundance one year and the scarcity next year sometimes. It alternates a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And also uh, they wanted uh, symmetry and stackability. Mm -hmm. Uh, They wanted something that was ready to go.
1: And The uh, Newtown Pippin is a little lopsided. It's
2: definitely. It's <laughs> one of the reasons I think it's a true New York apple because its sweetness is not. It's evenly. green.
1: Number one, it's green. It's yeah. kind of mottled with the, some brown here and there, yes. and it's lopsided. Right. right. So it Doesn't like, look good it, it, on the it, shelf. Its
2: sweetness is not evenly distributed, much yeah. like the sweetness of our city. But anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, the uh, so, so they they preserve the apple and uh, uh, as in their culture, and then they went out west, and actually Martinelli cider relies on the Newtown Pippin. Oh, really. So their core ingredients yeah. to give us spice Yeah, I mean, that is,
1: that is like the ubiquitous uh, cider, yes, right? exactly.
2: So it did survive in its own way. Uh, but uh, really, it was just the homogenization of our culture through modern agricultural practices and store shelves. They wanted that bright, that cheery That red color. delicious out there, Exactly, right? or the Granny Smith, if you're going to go green, with right. that consistent, green across the entire apple. Right. So the New Town didn't stand a chance in that. But the, the, the gourmet restaurant still maintained it. And now Slow Food NYC and Slow Food USA are working to preserve it uh, on, as a market item. For me, I wanted it to grow in our schoolyards, grow in our community gardens, churchyards, mosques. Uh, you it's know, a New York, York thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Even though the Big Apple was a horse racing
1: term that became now, a Now, you term. have to explain that because yeah. you know, people say, oh, the Big Apple thinking, okay, we're, and we do Upstate, we we have you know thousands of orchards. There are a lot of apples that grow in New York State, but the Big Apple, the symbol, has nothing to do with no, apples. No, it, was a, it really. was a
2: horse racing term, uh, meaning the big prize, you know, the big huh. cash prize. Uh, that then, through the African American culture, transmitted over to jazz, and then. You Because, know, again, if you came to New York and played the Cotton Club or whatever, the, the payday was much bigger and you got noticed. Uh, so that, again, you know, had the same kind of uh, connotation. And then, uh, of course, being in entertainment was a heartbeat away from media. So it really took off as a term in the 20s. It, it actually kind of had a fallow period. And then in the 70s, when we were trying to re- kind of reboot or... reinvigorate invigorate the city. Exactly. Right? <laughs> they brought it back. Uh, and oh. so, yeah, the Newtown Pippin, what I think is wonderful about it is that Um, Already the mayor's office and any number of nonprofits are using the symbol of the green apple uh, to talk about our our aspirations as a sustainable city. That's right. Going green. Everybody, all the industries are
1: going green or home builders are going green. Why not, you know, have a green city?
2: Exactly. So green apple was a perfect symbol for all that. Sure. Um, It just happens to be the new town Pippin is green. And some people say there's also a yellow variant, but there's actually disagreement about whether that's just climate growth and all that, and there might not be any genetic difference at all. Uh, But the yellow is still yellow-green as opposed to green-yellow.
1: You you had said that... um Oh, you talked about wanting to grow this apple in all the public spaces, you know, church, churchyards and schoolyards. And you did, in fact, join up with a couple other organizations to, to help make this possible. Did you know? Oh, yes. Uh,
2: well, we've been really lucky. Uh, our biggest achievement is on Randall's Island, uh, which is in the East River. And it's touched by three neighborhoods in need. Uh, East Harlem, there's a huge uh, housing uh, uh, project community on the western edge of Queens, including the largest in North America, the Queensbridge Houses, and then also the South Bronx. So all these neighborhoods face into Randalls Island, and now we have a 40 apple tree orchard growing there, which we hope to expand. Wonderful. But we also have them and all kinds of institutions, and we're working with... Uh, the Parks Department, and we're working with Green Gorillas and and New York Restoration Project, and all these other great groups to get them out into the community.
1: And you were giving away saplings to, uh, to yes. different organizations. Every year yeah.
2: we give away saplings, and we're actually going to be working with Grow NYC, which is the uh, the organization that ha- handles our green markets, uh-huh. to give them out through the green markets next year. So that's fabulous. Um, and of course,
1: you have to. I, I read. I was very interested to read. You give away a sapling, and then another sapling to pollinate it. Yes.
2: Right? Yes. Uh, again, because they can't reproduce. Uh, you their know, own, within right? their own uh, type so it has been a great chance to introduce other heritage varieties as well so we have you know we have uh, uh, different russets going back like St. Edmund's russet for example um, the L-star which is a uh, heritage variety from the Netherlands and we have uh Uh, Winter banana, which is uh, an an Indiana variety from the 19th century. So we've had a really great chance to uh, introduce these as well.
1: Oh, terrific. Well, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to learn more about this program and find out what we can do with apples. Think pie. (laughs) Welcome back. We're here talking about apples with Eric Bard. And before I forget, I want to give a shout out to uh, a very special listener, Joni in Fort Collins, Colorado. Joni Cook is listening, and I thank her for all her support. Um, and I thought of Colorado because you said going out west. And it was something I'd read about apples, that they, the sweetest apples really developed and and came about, for us to love, in the more northern climates, even though they were found pretty much throughout Europe and the Caucasus. They they really, you know, flourished in the northern climates. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, uh, that's a bit true. Um, a, China- bit, a
1: bit true. Okay. Well, well,
2: no, because, uh, I, to be honest, I'm coming from the uh, – blue-eyed cultural bias. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I, I want to make sure that I don't know. Uh, th- th- there's nothing I am overlooking. Uh, China is actually the largest apple producer in the world today. Hmm. Um, and, of course, China has colder regions as well. Uh, but they did start on mountainsides uh, in, in Kazakhstan and in that region, uh, which is why even today, you know, apples can't sit in pooling water. They have to have a lot of rain, but a lot of drainage and all hmm. that because they grew up on slopes. Uh, but uh, the... The apples that we have, they they go back to uh, uh, Malus sylversi is the uh, right. the ancestral thing, but there's also Malus silvestris, which is a, a northern European wild apple that, uh, for a long time, was miscredited as the the mother of apples, and uh, it actually did contribute to our gene pool that you know we enjoy today, but in a much much smaller way. It, hmm. it might be the number two contributor, but far behind. So interesting, uh, but yeah, and that's northern European. Though.
1: Well, then so then you were you said you wanted to. Um, Talk a little bit about how that Newtown Pippin really yeah. sprang sprang into our into being.
2: Yeah, a Pippin. You'll find there's like Cox's Orange Pippin, for example, and, and a
1: Pippin. If you a Pippin means what? A, it
2: just means a lucky strike. Uh, that's basically what it comes down to that. Oh. As they explain, explained to me by Slow Food NYC. Uh, it's it's a chance seedling that grew into something very marketable. And, and wonderful. I thought
1: Pippin was a word that people used for either the apple seed or the the little sapling.
2: No, you know it's funny um, they. The Old English, uh, another meaning for Pippin is an admirable person. Oh, uh, okay. So, which I always thought it was pretty accurate because a, a Pippin and an apple is also a, a very rare lucky strike. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is an admirable person. Uh, but, yeah, actually, whenever you see Pippin uh, as, a, as, as an apple name... Uh, that means that it came from a random chance of seed. It wasn't Interesting. Uh, wasn't deliberately cross-pollinated or anything like that. And yeah. in this case, Gershon Moore was a farmer uh, out in Newtown. And he, uh, again, Elmer's Queens, but he threw down seed in the corner of his property, as often people would, to see what he got. And Mm -hmm. if you if you didn't get anything all that sweet and delicious, you just use it for cider, and there's no big loss. And apple wood is very valued as a smoking Smoking, wood, so no no great loss there. So a lot of farmers did this. Well, we
1: don't know the provenance of those seeds, do we? Well,
2: yeah, we don't know what uh, not yet, Uh, (laughs) but we're starting to now uh, go deeper into that. Actually, the the first apple. Uh, genome was sequenced just this year in Italy, um, and that was the Golden Delicious. Oh, wow! And so, what, what actually we learned from that is it confirmed the Central Asian roots, uh-huh. uh, but also we learned that they have the, the apple has more genes than any plant that's been sequenced so far. Wow! And has nearly twice as many genes as a human. We have about thirty thousand; they have about fifty-seven thousand genes.
1: Why well, And that I guess accounts for how many varieties we have. I mean, even as far back as is like. 50, 70 AD, I think it was uh, Pliny, 70 would be Pompeii time. Pliny, um, the naturalist, he documented 20 varieties just in that area alone. Mm-hmm. So heaven only knows how many varieties we Yeah, made, I like.
2: mean, with that quick cycle, you know, every year they're throwing out pollen at each other you wind up having a lot of variety in sexual reproduction. You know, there's an old expression um, that any fool can count the seeds in an apple, but only God knows how many apples are in a seed. So, <laughs> you know, you wind up having amazing variety in, in, yeah. in propagation. Well,
1: tell me a little bit about the quality of of the Newtown Pippin. It's, I mean, you said the sweetness is not as uniform. Um, I mean, does it store well? You know, does it, well, is yeah, it disease-resistant? Yeah it's it's a quirky
2: apple. Um uh, it it's uh I don't know is I don't think it's particularly disease resistant uh but uh it's considered the champagne of apples and you know it's really um, you know, a, a wonderful little, uh, apple in terms of balancing. Like, I think Michael Pollan talked about how it had the best balance of all things. apple Well, I mean, <laughs> so, he t-
1: Michael Pollan even said he said it's one of the greatest um, apples, American apple that we have, and yes. worth worth the fight to bring back. I mean, oh, absolutely.
2: Know. But um, what's great about the Newtown Pippin for colonial folks uh, is that uh, they they were really valued because the Newtown Pippin, when you take it off the tree, it's just awful. It's very starchy. It's astringent. Uh, uh, there's nothing good about it. And a lot of people who have picked them and bitten into them can't understand what the fuss is about and throw them into the cider pile. Uh, but actually, they sugar up in cold storage. Oh, so interesting. That that apple that's awful, off uh, you know, when you take it off the tree... Uh-huh. About two or months later, or three months later, is incredibly sweet and wonderful, like a wine. It goes uh, down exactly. well. Exactly, huh? <laughs> but if you're a, a colonial uh, orchardist, that meant that you can ship these things to Europe, and then once they got to France, they were just immediately marketable.
1: Oh. so well. well I, we have somebody um, on the on the phone who can uh, tell us a little bit about. What to do with some of these great apples and cooking. And we have Lauren Soutier, who's the pastry chef at Northern Spy Food Company, a restaurant in the East Village in New York City. Welcome, Lauren.
4: Uh, Thanks, Linda. (laughs) Hello, Eric. (laughs) Uh, uh, it's, so it's tell
1: drinking. me, I, I have I have to admit, I have not had the opportunity to come out and taste your apple pie. But I'll take it from New York Magazine, who hailed it as being one of the finest apple pies that they had eaten this season. And tell me what what is your secret? What kind of apples do you use? Do you use in your apple pie? I mean, the restaurant's Northern Spy. Okay, I give you that. <laughs>
4: Yes, we we must have a good apple pie for named Northern Spy, um, because Northern Spy is a very, very good baking apple. Um, When I make pie, I actually like to use a a combination of different apples. Um, A lot of times people worry when they make pie that they're going to get a mushy apple and then have a mushy textured pie. I like to strike a balance between the two. Um, I like to pick firm apples. Obviously, Northern Spy is a great one. Um, I've recently discovered uh, Rhode Island greenings are amazing for pie, for that nice, firm that has just a little bit of bite when you bite into it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also like to throw in a couple of Golden Delicious and a couple of um, the more mushy apples to sort of make almost an apple sauce around the pie, uh, around the more um, tender, firm apples. Mm
1: -hmm. Have you ever Um, used a Newtown Pippin? I
4: have last year. And um, unfortunately, they're not in the markets yet. As Eric was saying, uh, they're more of a late-season apple.
1: Mm
3: -hmm.
4: Um, but we did see them last year when we were using them for, for baking, and they, I, I can assure you they are absolutely delightful. Oh, terrific. They, are, they are, are really
1: great. Well Now I'm going to ask you for a secret. What, what is your what is your favorite or most successful filling recipe? Now you said some of the other apples to form a sauce around it, but mm-hmm. you know, as far as thickeners and, and additional uh, tartness and sweetness?
4: Um, for me, it's, it's all about taste. So, you know, every, every bushel that I get is different. I have to really kind of think for a minute before I go and measure. Um, You know, I taste all my apples, and I, having done it so often, I wish I could give you the miracle pill. Um, But it's kind of I go by, okay, this is kind of a sweet batch, maybe a little less sugar. um, Or, you know, maybe maybe this one needs a bit more sweetener because it's very tart. Um, But I I also like to add lemon juice if I feel like I've gotten a particularly sweet batch of apples. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I don't actually use thickener at all. I I feel that you can really taste cornstarch in apple pie specifically. Um, And with the pectin from the apples, I just don't think it's necessary. Um, One good tip, though, is uh, some people actually will fill their pies with the raw apples and then sprinkle sugar and spices on top. I think a better plan is to actually mix everything in a bowl beforehand. Um, Just allow it to macerate a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, And then when you take the apples out of the bowl, you can let some of that juice stay in. If they are really juicy, that's a good way to get rid of a little bit of the extra juice.
1: That's right. That's good. Mm -hmm. That was the bowl I always used to sneak a a taste out of when my mother was making apple
4: pies. It is a delicious (laughs) Delicious liquid uh, that comes off of those
1: apples. Uh, well, thank you very much, and and congratulations on that article in New York Magazine. I'm going to come by and taste that apple pie. I definitely. can't wait to see you. <laughs> okay, great, thanks, Lauren. Thank you, Linda. Um, and um, Eric, I you mentioned um, Kazakhstan and the and the. Um, kind of partnering in with you on this Newtown Pippin project to bring it back to New York. Um, can you tell me a little bit, how? what, what did you do there?
2: Yeah, uh, it was another dumb luck kind of stumbling thing. Uh, <laughs> I, exactly. I uh, uh, was researching uh, this stuff, and I, I, I found that actually the USDA and Cornell University, uh, back, I guess it would be the 90s, uh, took cuttings and seeds from the uh, Kazakh wild uh, forests, and brought them back uh, to the US and started this kind of gene bank apple orchard because they wanted to find natural disease resistance and who knows what other marketable flavors might be out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because in these Mm -hmm. forests, they have lemony apples, they have apples that are red right through to the core. They're just really wonderful, crazy combinations of things. Uh, And so I was reading about this and I heard that they're up there at Cornell Uh, the nursery that's providing our apple trees, Cummins Nursery, is near Ithaca too. And so I started lobbying the nursery and lobbying Cornell and the USDA researchers and saying, hey, can we get one or two of these cosmic varieties grafted? And I wasn't sure what regulations might be around them or who knows. And uh, have them as a symbolic kind of uh, planting in New York, really showing how New York's heritage is also world heritage. You know, this oh. is an immigrant t- town and I want to celebrate our own heritage but also the world heritage. And Commissioner Benape from the Parks Department was really excited about this and so I kind of, you know, pushed for this a bit. And then I got an email back from Cummins Nursery and it wasn't one or two. Uh, now, next November, we're going to have 120. Oh, my goodness. So all around New York City, we're going to have wild apple uh, ancestors from Kazakhstan uh, grafted and growing. We're going to have t- 12 varieties, so 10 of each. And it's going to be uh, a, to, a varieties chosen by Cornell and the USDA for natural disease resistance, mm-hmm. taste, and size. So we're going to have 12 of those varieties. I'm hoping that we can actually get New York City school kids to name one of the varieties. It might be kind of a fun little citywide oh, yeah. project. Get them, but get them involved. Exactly, they're all over. over. And, and the wonderful thing is now we're going to see what kind of weird pippins we get out of this because we're going to have our heirloom varieties and these ancestral varieties mixing it up in New York City. And New York City now will be the, the largest public access gene bank for the species in the world, uh, other than Kazakhstan's forest itself. So
1: Wow, that, that is exciting. So I think I... I applaud your efforts in champion this championing this this apple and bringing it back to New York City um, as you say with the fact that uh, the the new town Pippin was indigenous as far as we know at this point to mm. the banks of, of um, New York City in uh, the fact that it's green mm. that we can take a little um, a little inspiration for the green city you have mentioned that this is our metaphor the green apple is the future of new york and i think that's wonderful i think that's a great thing is there a website that we can uh, sure. and people can contact you at it to find out more about this project absolutely
2: and i have to update it to quite honestly and i'll include this link in it oh, okay <laughs> but it's uh, newtownpippin.org so any N-E-W.
1: newtownpippin.org yeah,
2: exactly n-e-w-t-o-w-n-p-i-p-p-i-n
1: terrific well um I think that we can change the old phrase, an apple a day, and call it a pippin a day, right? Supply right. and demand. If we start if we start demanding our new town pippins, then maybe we'll get people to grow more. Well, Eric, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I wish you good luck in, in this project. I know I'll be looking for, for the more. And I would I'd love to plant a, a variety upstate in my in my property up there and see what I can do with my other apples that are up there. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll give you, you those
2: it. crazy seedlings from the uh, Cossack and Herlip. Her- yes, varieties. right.
1: <laughs> <Mixing>. <laughs> Who knows what we'll get, right? <laughs> Thank you so And thank you for listening. Again, I'm Linda Palaccio, and this has been A Taste of the Past.